It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. Only four games played this week, but there were some pretty exciting matches and significant results nonetheless. Too bad next week sees no Premier League play whatsoever. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how are you doing this week? I am doing okay, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. We uh, we got to enjoy the uh, well, almost all of the first two rounds of the NCAA men's basketball tournament because they got weird with the schedule. The, the second day of the round two games, I guess, are happening today and tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get used to that scheduling ever. I'm used to the Thursday through Sunday scheduling of the past. So another example of where the world is changing and it makes me scared and uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just happy we're getting a lot of low seeds in the, the Sweet 16. That's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, interesting take on that that I heard on the radio is that it's entirely possible that the selection committee who seeded those teams didn't have a healthy appreciation for the teams they were seeding because there That's weren't possible, as many yeah. games played as in as in years past, and all these COVID restrictions, and nobody physically there to scout these games. So, um, you know, I'm just glad they're having the tournament. That's Yes, that's number one. You know, seeding mistakes or not. All right, uh, so it's a bit of a downtime, as I mentioned, in the uh, Premier League. We only had four matches this week. We don't have any next week. Uh, and it's not even a, you know, an international break or a break for international play. There's nothing going on in the world of uh, international football in the upcoming week. So uh, we'll just have to make do with the four games that we had this past week, which, like I said, had some exciting stuff. Spurs won. Always, always good. Always good. When that happens. Um, there was a, an interesting match we'll talk you know, more about in the second half, this uh, West Ham hosting Arsenal where there was a goal scored by West Ham that I, while watching it, concluded had to have been illegal because I don't have, or at least at that time, didn't have a healthy appreciation for the rules governing free kicks. Um, just to sort of set the scene a bit. So uh, at this point, West Ham was up 1-0 
and they got a free kick uh, sort of diagonally away from the goal, um, you know, too far to try to, to, to send it in right from there. Um, and West Ham looked around and concluded that the Arsenal play, as soon as the ball was placed in position for the kick, West Ham looked around and said, well, none of these Arsenal players are paying any attention. And so pass it to one guy who's, who's running down and gets behind the, the defenders. And long story short, sets up a scoring play. Um, and the announcers simply were saying in so many words that Arsenal wasn't paying attention and that's what you get for not paying attention. And I, I was sitting there and I'm texting with a friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan. I'm like, how is that legal? That, that he just like went before anybody blew a whistle and before anybody signaled that the kick could be made. Hell, the, uh, the ref was walking toward the ball with reaching for his spray, uh, spray paint can. You know, they spray down, okay, yeah. here's, you know, no defenders can come any closer than this, etc. So, it got me thinking, what the heck governs these things? Because we had that this week, and as we will recall, a couple of weeks ago, end of February, you had that screwy, uh, is it a goal, is it not a goal, off a free kick when Brighton faced uh, West Brom. And although the ref kind of went back and forth, um, he didn't allow it, then he did allow it, and then VAR said, no, it's not allowed because the ref blew his whistle to signal that the kick could be taken, and then while the kick was in flight approaching the goal, he blew his whistle a second time for no reason. But blowing the whistle the second time, the argument goes that was the reason that the West Brom defenders sort of stopped trying to defend that shot. They weren't going to stop that shot anyway, but... Uh, that was the, the explanation for why the goal was disallowed. And, and I just found myself, particularly after the Arsenal-West Ham match, completely confused and flummoxed by this whole free kick thing. So, decided to look into it a bit. And what we find is that free kicks, anytime I get to invoke the laws of the game, I just love the... <laughs> we don't call them rules, we call them laws. So, law 13 of the... Uh, uh, International Football Association Board's rules uh, governs free kicks. And what you find is that that rule does explain that, you know, free kick can't be taken until the ball is stationary on the ground, uh, that defenders have to be um, 10 yards away, or nine, it's like 9.1 meters or something, but everybody says 10 yards. Um, but the rule doesn't actually go into describing a specific sort of time uh, that the free kick can be taken or a signal that the referee has to give in order to allow the free kick to be taken. So what you have, although the, the rule, the law, law 13, doesn't use these terms, what has developed is this idea of managing free kicks and delineating, delineating between two types. There is the quick free kick, which is what we saw the West Ham players do this weekend. And then there's the ceremonial free kick, which is a very high and mighty name for it. Uh, certainly sounds like it would be found in the laws of the game. Uh, it would. It does. Um, and I, I think it's easier to swallow all of this if we begin with the ceremonial free kick. So the ceremonial free kick is used when uh, the ref determines that the free kick 
uh, must be delayed for some reason and that he, he or she needs to control when the game restarts. So what sort of situations can we think of where uh, the free kick has to happen that way? Well, you can have it uh, after a booking. So if a player gets carded and there's going to be uh, a free kick afterwards because there are certain administrative things the referee has to handle, writing down the player's name and all this stuff, you can't have the other team have an advantage by being able to just go off and kick whenever they want to if the referee has his face down and is uh, writing down on his pad or whatever. Um, how about if there's an injury? Well, obviously, you don't want the game, re you want the ref to control when the game can restart when there's an injury. Uh, certain substitutions, if the, if the referee allows substitutions, um, but there's going to be a, a free kick to restart, then the ref should control when that free kick happens. Um, and basically, you got sort of a catch all idea of any other time that the ref deems it necessary. Uh, so, this. This starts to make sense now when you when you think about it in those sorts of terms. Okay, those are the times that you do need the ref to have firm control of when the free kick is taken, unlike the situation we had on Saturday with Saturday, Arsenal, Sunday. Uh, that was yesterday. Yeah, Arsenal was Sunday. Um, in in the Arsenal West Ham game yesterday, Sunday, um, that was just your sort of run of the mill. There's a foul. We're allowing a free kick. Ref places the ball where it's supposed to go. At that point, there's really no reason for the players to wait. Now, you may be saying to yourself, hang on, Mike. You just said a minute ago that Rule 13 says that uh, the defending players have to be 10 yards away. That's true. And it, it's, it's, in fact, up to the defending players to get their fannies 10 yards away. There's no requirement on the ref to, to basically enforce it and and push them back and tell them, hey, boys, come on, you got to move it back, move it back. That's not on the ref. That's on the players. And if they dilly-dally too long or even worse, if they, you know, stay so close that they interfere with the free kick or try to prevent it from being taken, then they can get booked for that, which all makes sense. Um, but basically what it comes down to is the free kick is basically uh, a remedy that's being imposed on the, let's say, just to make it easy, the defending team um, for some sort of violation. And the sanction is that the attacking team has the benefit of this free kick. So the free kick is supposed to be the attacking team's advantage. And if, as the attacking team, you look around and you say, in a non-ceremonial free kick situation, okay, in, a, in, in one like the Arsenal-West Ham match, where there's no reason for the game to delay... All that we would delay for, if anything, is to wait for the defending team to back up 10 yards. Well, maybe I'm standing over the ball getting ready to kick and I look around and I say, well, they're not 10 yards away, but they're also not paying attention, the other team. I'm just going to go. There's no nothing in Law 13 says you can't do this. And in fact, referees at all levels will tell you you know, that very often what they do in these sorts of free kicks is they ask, they say to the to the team, do you want to go now or do you want to wait and sort of make sure everybody gets 10 yards back? And I'll take out the spray can, you know, the, the spray paint can and do all that stuff. Well, we saw the ref approaching uh, the West Ham players who were setting up the free kick, you know, taking his 
spray paint can out of his pocket, and presumably he was going to ask, "You want to you want to go, or you want me to do this stuff?" Um, but before he even got there, the the West Ham players went ahead and and took the kick. So long as the ball was stationary at the time and it wasn't a ceremonial free kick situation, that was legal. And it's for that reason that you know no matter how shocked I was while sitting there watching it yesterday and looking for some explanation from either the officials or from the guys in the booth or even the guys in the studio, like everybody just went about their day like this was no big deal. And I'm watching the game saying, what the hell just happened? You can't just go. You know, doesn't have to be some kind of whistle. And the answer to that question is no, there doesn't have to be some kind of whistle. You know, yes, on a penalty kick, there has to be a whistle. Yes, on these, uh, you know, like these examples I gave you before. So now you may be asking yourself, well, if it was okay in the West Ham match, then what the hell happened in that Brighton-West Brom match? You know, there were whistles. What's the difference? Yeah. yeah. And I'm not 100% sure, because now that I'm armed with this explanation, when I go back and try to watch that Brighton-West Brom match, and particularly that free kick, I can't quite tell... If, if the official, if the ref and the players had this little conversation where the players said, yeah, we want the 10 yards, so we'll wait for your whistle. Because some of the players after the, the Brighton match were saying that they asked the ref, can I kick it now? Can I kick it now? That leads me to believe that they, they, they had entered the ceremonial free kick realm one way or another, that, that the Either by request or implicit. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, because otherwise they would have just kicked it. They wouldn't have asked, can we go? Can we go? Um, and I don't think that, that the ref, uh, Lee Dixon, would have blown the whistle. Um, I keep saying Lee Dixon. He's a color commentator. It's Lee Mason. <laughs> um, a few buzzers there. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, at least we saved ourselves the trouble of uh, now what did we... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lee Mason, my bad. So anyway, uh, Lee Mason wouldn't have blown the whistle if it was a regular free kick, is my thought. Uh, and, and, you know, the big mistake was blowing it the second time, but yes. he, he wouldn't yeah. have blown it the first time, uh, you know, to signal, okay, go ahead and kick now. So that must have somehow been within the ceremonial free kick category, and that's why the Brighton guys couldn't just kick, um that they, they were asking for and waiting for that whistle in order to go. Um, you know, that's my conclusion. Um, I mean, that makes sense because if you go back to the, the the Brighton play, you know, the announcers basically say that, you know, Johnstone was still setting up his wall, which right. means there was an understanding, at least on his point, that he had time to yeah. prepare. Um, and, you know, yeah. maybe Dunk was trying to circumvent that. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I thought it was Dunk. I wasn't a hundred percent sure um yeah and and i guess the lesson learned here is if you're the defending team and a free kick is awarded to the attacking team you need to like walk backwards towards the goal not turn your back and dilly dally you know slow poke your way into position you need to watch the ball okay is this guy gonna kick it is he gonna kick it until you get some kind of signal from the ref indicating okay I'm going to tell you when it's going to be kicked. So everybody do what you need to do to set up. Um, so those first few seconds, you need to be on your toes just in case. Well, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm wondering now how often this happens because I paused 
the the highlights right before um, I think it was Lingard passed to Bowen, mm-hmm. and there were five players with their backs to the ball. Yeah, and some of them were even West Ham players. So. That's true. I, I saw, yeah. because he's on our fantasy team, I specifically noted that Antonio was taken by surprise that this was all happening, and, and suddenly, like, hey, what? Oh, okay, let's go. So I, one of the things I'm wondering is most teams would probably choose for a wall setup on this. It was the you know the proximity and the mm-hmm. location where you do that. I'm wondering if this kind of approach is similar in, in baseball to like the hidden ball trick where you try <laughs> to catch someone off guard to something they would normally expect. I think um, that's a pretty good analogy. Um, you know, it, you you have to wonder how many situations lend themselves to this particular trick. Um, you know, the, get away with it once a season or something. Well, you know, not right? only that, but you know, this isn't something that would have been as effective, let's say, if done at you know midfield. It's entirely possible it happens all the time at midfield. I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, some of these free kicks that are farther away from the goal. Oh, they, I, they, they fall down, they get right up and just pass. Yeah. Like, there's this, so, there's no question on that. So what what made this one stand out was obviously the goal, but also, as you said, the proximity to the, to the goal. So, you know, it's going to have to be one of these where it's close enough to the goal. Um, but I think also not quite so close that you would, you know, if you're, pick your poison, if you're James Ward-Prowse, you're saying to yourself, oh, I got it from here. I just need a minute to set up. Right. Um, You know, if it's one of those, you're probably not going to do the hidden ball trick. But if it's a little farther and you're like, "Eh, I'm not quite sure I can make it from here, let's just go. But if we go now, we've got a chance. No one's paying attention. Yeah. So, interesting uh, uh, situation and makes, makes these... These these plays that are farther away from the goal, where they just go and they're not waiting for the ref, make all the sense in the world. I mean, the game would it would take forever, or I guess more correctly, the game would take just as long, but there wouldn't be as much action <laughs> yeah. if we had to wait for the ref to set everything up on every single stinking free kick. So, thank goodness they don't. Um, so, with that... We will uh, go ahead and take a break again. Not a whole lot of games to talk about this week. They had some, uh, uh, some of them had some important ramifications for things happening towards the top of the table and some ramifications on things happening towards the bottom of the table. Uh, So we will get to all those right after this, and we will be right back. Here are your scores from the remaining games in Match Week 29 in the English Premier League. On Friday, Leeds took down Fulham 2-1. Saturday saw Brighton defeat Newcastle 3-0. And on Sunday, a quick three-goal West Ham lead evaporated as Arsenal came back to steal a draw three goals apiece, while Spurs shut out Aston Villa 2-0 in their Match Week 18 contest. The Premier League is idle until Easter weekend when Match Week 30 kicks off Saturday, April 3rd as Chelsea hosts West Brom. Sheffield takes on Leeds at Ellen Road for their Yorkshire Derby. Man City heads to the KP for a matchup of heavy hitters when they face Leicester, and Liverpool travels to the capital to meet Arsenal. On Sunday, Burnley visits Southampton, Spurs head north to take on Newcastle, Aston Villa hosts Fulham, and Brighton meets Manchester United at Old Trafford. 
The week concludes Monday as Crystal Palace heads Merseyside to face Everton and Wolves host West Ham. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we're back. So, like we said, only four matches this week. Um, I don't think that the Premier League cares much about the uh, Ugly Americans and their NCAA men's basketball tournament, but it, I suppose, in a sense, it did allow for us to be able to watch more basketball games. But the, the first match was on Friday when Fulham hosted Leeds. Um, yeah, so this was a, a really short week this week. Um, and fantasy-wise, it was pretty interesting, too, because with the reduced game load, all the teams pretty much had four players going for them if they were lucky. Um, yeah, there were some folks. Uh, our friend Luke had been – he's good about looking into the future weeks to see if there's some scheduling anomaly, and he spotted this week a couple of months ago and had been executing his his one allowed transfer per week over the last handful of weeks, basically setting up so that he could field – I mean, he was – again – this is the guy who complains about only getting like 10 goals in a week. So he was complaining that he could only field a team of nine or 10. <laughs> we had a team of four and we were happy about it because with that, See, there was a transfer small. we had to do in order to get a fourth player. Um, fortunately, we were playing one of the other folks in the league who it appears has somewhat checked out. Um, yeah, I don't think he's checked in in two months. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, he had. He had four players, I think, but at least two of them uh, did not play. Right. Uh, three, because Grealish, Ceballos, and Nketiah. Nketiah wasn't even on the. He wasn't even on the bench. Right. He, he didn't make the, the team that week. So it was up to Captain Burnt Leno <laughs> <laughs> for him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we went into the week saying, "Hey, just chalk it up as a loss." If we try to to massage our our. Uh, our lineup and our roster at this point, it's going to screw us up for the rest of the season. So just chalk chalk up the L for this week and we'll deal with it. Fortunately, we went up against a guy who just apparently has that attitude every week. So here <laughs> yeah. we are. Um, so getting back to uh, Fulham hosting Leeds. So uh, Fulham needs wins and they could arguably get one here against, uh, you know, I would say an enigmatic team like Leeds. They seem to be good wow. sometimes. Uh, they seem to be bad other times. They just, they're still a mystery to me. So, so. is that, okay. Oh, Enigma. Okay. Now yeah, I see. Enigmatic. I, what did you think? I, I had no clue um, until you started using it in a sentence, which helped. And then oh, okay. I realized the derivation and all that stuff. It, if I were sitting there at the SAT table, I might have eventually been able to piece it together. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on the fly, no. Um, so we have Melier and Bamford going in this one, and this is, as we mentioned, about 50% of our fantasy force this week. Um, Luke Ayling seems to get his first goal of the season early, but VAR takes a look and decides that Tyler Roberts, the uh, crosser to Ayling, was actually offsides on the pass up to him. By about a half a shoe, if you look at it, mm. the side view. Yeah, I think um, his head was over as well. Yeah. But did you get a look at the Troy Palomaro locks on Ailing's head? Oh, yeah. When he thought he scored, he oh, let his hair down. my. Yeah. Good. You could say he let his hair down. Yeah, he did. Literally. And uh, that was just a massive mane. I I knew he had some hair because he's he, got a man bun. He does bun. the man bun. Yeah. yeah. But holy cow, that yeah. man bun is holding just... A ton of hair back. <laughs> I mean, that would have been great, you know, for White Snake in the eighties. You know, that's like, 
<laughs> you remember, you know, slaughter. <laughs> um, Rafinha gets a ball in the net, pulled uh, back out for offsides in about the 20th minute. Um, and then Ailing actually has a goal line save uh, moments later um, after a phenomenal Melier save. Um, so that was a pretty Melier had pretty a couple good phenomenal saves in yeah, this game. Yeah, I have a note on him at the end of this one, but... Um, finally, I wonder Leeds, if it's the same note I have on him. We shall see. We shall see. Um, Leeds does, though, find a legitimate goal in Harrison to Bamford uh, for the 1 0 Leeds uh, lead. It's hard to say Leeds lead. Um, Fulham equalizes, though, on a corner on and some lazy Leeds defense, in my opinion. So the corner comes in and just kind of floats down to Anderson for the easy foot tap in. Um, that was his first goal with Fulham and his first goal in the EPL. And I'm going to wait for that buzzer because after the Silva incident uh, earlier uh, with a, a miss on that one, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think I did look that up. Um, <laughs> that also wrecks the I clean... trust your research. Well, <clears throat> that's your first problem there. Huh? Uh, but that wrecks the clean sheet for Melier, who was otherwise having a monster game save-wise. Um Second half, though, Leeds pulls ahead for good on just a great sequence. Uh, steal from the Fulham defense, and Bamford feeds Rafinha uh, for a goal preceded by some nice footwork. Um, so 2-1 to one is the final here for Leeds. Uh, that's a tough loss for Fulham. Uh, when would it actually move them completely out of relegation? Right. So, um, and a little surprising, I thought, that, that Bamford had so much goal involvement. I, I certainly was happy about it since he's on a right. fantasy team, one of the, <laughs> the, the quadrup, quadrumvirate. <laughs> um, that we had going this week, but he did look a little gimpy at times out there. Yeah, he did. Uh, which it just surprised me that they would roll the dice. I mean, granted, he's he's their most effective scorer. I get it, but uh, don't you usually kind of try not to make injuries worse by making a player exert more when he's not ready? It, you know, you if, would think maybe they were thinking, hey, we got this two week break, uh, so we'll. We'll let him heal up then. Yeah. Right now we need to win. <laughs> but, hey, they know better than we do because it worked. He, he scored and he assisted. So there you go. Um, I did want to give a shout-out to Melier um, in this one. I, I know he didn't get the clean sheet, but, I mean, the guy's an absolute machine. He's making saves. He has no business making. Um, just generally playing out of his mind. I mean, the guy's just turned 21. I think he's severely underrated at this point. Yeah, I mean, just watching what he, watching him on the field, you know. It's tough because of of the style of play that Leeds do, because it, it puts a lot of pressure on him. Um, and you're right; he turned 21 at the beginning of March. Um, and had he gotten a clean sheet this weekend, then he would have been the youngest player to get 10 clean sheets in Premier League history. Oh, that I didn't know. I knew he had nine. I didn't know that that was going to be a, a record, though. Yeah, so uh, might still be. Uh, I, I, I confess I did not go through the list of youngins to get ten clean sheets in a Premier League season to see if, you know, did he have to do it this week or else he's going to be older than the guy who currently holds the record. Once again, if I was involved in a podcast that talked about the Premier League every week, maybe I would have done that sort of research ahead of time. Uh, didn't think to do it, but, uh, yeah, he's good. Um, and only 21. So, yeah. you know, knock on wood, he's got a long career ahead of him. So, um, on Saturday we had Brighton hosting Newcastle. So, 
Uh, Newcastle had the opportunity to see that Fulham lost the day before. Um, I thought they might play with a little bit more fire against a below-average Brighton. Uh, in my opinion, though, Newcastle didn't even really show up for this one. Um, only one shot on goal for them. So uh, at the end of the first half, uh, Hayden on Newcastle is injured, uh, sort of on an accidental collision by a rolling Brighton's uh, Basuma. Uh, he has to be taken off the field via stretcher. I didn't follow up with that injury, though. I'm not sure if he's uh, okay or not. Um, it looks like it's going to remain scoreless at halftime, but uh, uh, Troussard for Brighton in stoppage time connects on a 20-yarder and beats uh, Dubrovka. Uh, on the far side for the one nil Brighton lead. Yeah, and he, he needed to score that then because I think that the, the ref probably had the whistle up to his lips to blow the half dead. Yeah. I mean, it was so close to the end. I think they had three minutes of stoppage time. It was so close to being over. Um, so good on Troussard for getting that goal. Yeah, and then interestingly enough, at the start of the second half, so Danny Welbeck almost had the exact same circumstances and goal. I don't know if you noticed that, but... He sort of comes inside, you know, 20 yards out and beats uh, Dubrovka again on the far post. So it was almost like the exact same shot and setup that uh, Trissard yeah. has for the 2-0 uh, 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 Brighton lead. Um, and then Brighton adds, uh, Mope has a nice little one-timer for the 3-0 Brighton win. Uh, that's two in a row for them, and they are now six points clear of relegation. So good on them. Yeah, and I mean, I hear you that you would thought that uh, that Newcastle would you know, have have a little more moxie in this game, considering uh, what was happening on the, in the table relative to them and Fulham. Uh, fact is, though, this might just be a matchup problem for Newcastle because uh, Brighton, three goals for Brighton, sort of makes yeah. you. Scratch your head and say, hell, when's the last time Brighton had three goals? Yeah. Uh, the answer to that question is early January. But they got three goals in another match this year when they won 3-0 at Newcastle. So, so two of the three times this year. There just year, may be an incompatibility there somewhere. Right. Yeah. They just got their number. Um, that takes us to Sunday, so uh, West Ham hosting Arsenal, um, so we talked a little bit about the free kick in this one, but uh, if we want to hop back in the Wayback Machine, um, this game actually reminded me a lot of the West Brom-Chelsea game back in match day three in September. I don't know if you remember this one, Mike, but I remember it very well because this is when I still thought West Brom might be a good team. You know, they had just okay. come up and... Um, so they jump out to a pretty early 3-0 lead on Chelsea. I don't um, remember that at all. Jeez. And Chelsea kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, and I think they finally equalized in 90-plus-3 wow. for the draw. So it mm. was a pretty exciting finish on that one. Um, this one was similar. I would say probably not as exciting, right. um, but it did have some, some similar... Uh, characteristics and I, I think West Ham was their own worst enemy in this one yeah uh, you could say that yeah <laughs> um, so we have captained uh, Aubameyang going uh, we oh, also right. <laughs> we also have West Ham's Antonio I think uh, of our four, four players didn't Aubameyang score the least he did the worst yes. yeah he did the worst so <laughs> he didn't actually score the least because I think Melier had three points but Aubameyang would have had four because the captain's two points get doubled right right but if we captain nobody he would add two. Right? Correct. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so, so, what it means is, yet again, we made the wrong call the on who to captain. Worst decision to, on who to captain. 
Um, and as we mentioned, I think uh, we just had uh, they, or I'm sorry, our opponent just had a captain, uh, Bernt Leno. Um, so yeah, that's was, uh, that's gutsy. Yeah, that is gutsy. <laughs> thinking so. outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> um, it starts off well for us. Um, pretty early, uh, pretty early. Antonio finds Lingard for a nice strike, and uh, Antonio gets the assist. One uh, 0 West Ham. We talked about the free kick in the 17th minute, um, but uh, still in the first half, an Antonio header looks like it finds its way to the net unobstructed, but VAR reviews it and confirms that it actually touches the top of the foot of Socek. Yeah, and in fact, it's funny, it didn't take VAR that long, and it took Antonio no time to realize he wasn't going to get the goal. Yeah. Because I, I didn't pick it up at first. I'm watching... And Antonio isn't doing the whole run around, tear your shirt off, make little hand symbols, uh, stick the ball under the jersey to make it look like you're pregnant and stick your thumb in your mouth. All these weird things. The that, golf swing yeah. you know, that we see. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever move, I think what, what Harry Kane does is uh, <laughs> like the villain in Raiders of the Lost Ark 2, Kalima, when he's like sticking his hand in the guy's chest and pulling the heart out. Like Kane does something kind of like that. I don't Kalima, know what that's all. Kalima, <laughs> I don't know what Kalima. that's all about. Did, did you really call Raiders of the uh, the Ark 2? Yes. I mean, I know it's a Temple of Doom. Oh, okay, I'm just saying, right, yeah, you know. Um, so anyway, Antonio barely reacted. And while watching the game, I didn't realize what he was saying. But in rewatching the highlights, what he was saying was, it's Suchek. Everybody keeps coming up to him, <laughs> slapping on the back. He's like, it's Suchek. Well, he probably <laughs> kind of points, and Suchek comes running over all excited. He's like, it's you. <laughs> and, but it took both Google, which was updating the score live, and um, you know the Premier League app several minutes before they caught up. They were saying it was an Antonio goal, and uh, you know a lot of times those sorts of online things wait until the official scoring or VAR's oh, decision, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so when I saw them say it, I, I well, whatever the Suchek business is, don't worry about it. Antonio got the score, and then, no, they changed their mind and gave it to Suchek. His first goal of the day. <laughs> yes, his first <laughs> goal of the day. Um, uh, so, uh, I, uh, hang on one second. Uh, uh, I threw you off with what? Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Referring just, to the second Raiders movie as Raiders yeah. 2. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to catch up to where I was. Um, so that was 3-0 West Ham. Um, so it's starting to feel like that other goal, or sorry, that other game that we mentioned where West Brom, uh, West Brom got off to a uh, pretty quick 3-0 uh, lead. Lacazette has a rifle uh, of a shot. Uh, and it actually goes off so so check and into the goal. Um, it did not look to be going into the goal off the foot of Lacazette. So uh, Socek does get the own goal in this one, and I guess I got to agree with it. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the second half, uh, Chambers with just sort of a power cross, um, there were a ton of players that were all moving, uh, toward the goal pretty quickly. And it just so happened that West Ham defender Dawson kicks it in Yeah. yet another own goal for, uh, West Ham. And the lead is just one at this point. Yeah. And you're right. That, that cross was kicked so hard that you, you kind of feel for the defender. What's he supposed to do? He can't right. let it go. Well, if he if he let it go, someone else was going to kick I it in. I think yeah. Lacazette or Aubameyang was behind him. It was one of them. So, you know, I often marvel at these guys. It's what makes them professionals. Marvel at these guys who are able, as defenders, to stick a foot out on one of those kind of hard crosses and knock it back for a, uh, um, a corner rather than kicking it into the goal. But 
yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah, and this is what happens. So at this point in the match, it's three to two, and West Ham has scored all five goals. Oh, that is true. Uh, can they get the shutout? Right. <laughs> we'll see. Um, in the 82nd minute, though, Lacazette uh, completes the full comeback for Arsenal with a header and a goal for the 3-3 draw. So uh, that's just a tough, tough draw for West Ham being up by three. A win would have actually put them points equal with fourth place Chelsea. So yeah. That would have been a big move. I guess I jinxed them because I was already doing that math. And I, I was even doing point different goal differential math. I'm like, <laughs> oh, they're up three nothing. This is going to help them yeah. versus Chelsea with the whole goal differential thing. Oh, not so much when all said and done. Uh, so they'll probably be kicking. If they miss Europe, uh, they might be kicking themselves on this one. We'll yeah, see. I would think so. I mean, two own goal. That would have been a good thing for us to research. How many teams have given up two, two own, own goals. goals in a single game? Yeah. Um, and then also on Sunday, we had a match day 18 makeup game, uh, uh, Villa hosting Spurs. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you because I don't know the history or anything, but they started off by saying that Yoris was captain in this one, uh, and the pregame mentioned an unhappy captain. Do you know have any idea who that was or well, why? Well, there was a lot of news last week coming out of Spurs' you know, disgusting loss um, against uh, Dinamo Zagreb in the second leg of the round of 16 in the Europa League. Um, Spurs went into this match having been up 2-0 in the first leg. They go into the second leg and lose 3-0. And those goals were all scored late. Um, like in the final 15, 20 minutes, half hour, certainly no more than half hour. Uh, so there was a lot of news coming out of that uh, that uh, Jose Mourinho was all kinds of pissed and yelling at the players, um, you know, just screaming in the locker room which is understandable because it, you don't just have that match I mean Europe play was like the only thing that they were doing well in uh, as of late they they had going into this match against Villa had lost six of their last ten Premier League matches you know, not failed to win lost lost six yeah. of their last ten so that is not a recipe for success and I think he had just had enough Similar reporting came out that Uris laid into the team uh, similarly in the locker room. So that was all I could take out of that comment about the unhappy captain was that he was, okay. you know, he was upset with everybody's, or at least what he perceived as um, a lack of uh, energy, lack of quality, whatever you want to call it, uh, exhibited by the rest of the team. Uh, and he was trying to kick him in the tail. So that's that's what that's all about. And I guess Jose must have thought, hey, that's good. Let me give you the armband then. Yeah. So Well, it seemed to work because uh they did pretty well yesterday. Yeah, and it was a it was a, a team that they didn't you don't see starting much. They had some guys who were sick back on the defenders line, so uh you had some, some newbies back there. Vinicius hadn't had much Premier League play at all this year. Um, on loan from uh, Benefica in the uh, Portuguese top flight. So a lot of new faces out there. And, of course, Sone is is still out with his injury. So um, it, was, it was nice to see them playing with some, some heart. Yeah. Um, only show, uh, four shots on goal in this one. In the 29th minute, uh, you just mentioned a striker on loan, Carlos, is it Vinicius? Uh, I think it's Vinicius. Vinicius. Um, 
Uh, he's able to get one in. Pretty much the entire Villa defense was out of position and committed way too early on that yeah. one. I don't know if you saw that, but they, yeah. everyone went to the uh, left and just a simple pass, and he's yeah. just right there. Um, that was his first goal in the EPL. Uh, I hope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is true. Um, uh, but I will note it's not his first goal in a Spurs uniform. He actually had a hat trick um, in the FA Cup back in January. So oh, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you, you recall I said uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you got these, I think it was in the context of Gareth Bale, you got a handful of guys who are good but don't seem to get much playing time in the Premier League uh, you know, you almost get sort of a second string vibe that they they find themselves in the starting eleven for these FA Cup matches, for these League Cup matches, and even some of the early Europa matches. Um, and that's where you would see Bale and Lamella and Deli Alley and Vinicius was one of the guys, and he you know got that hat trick I was talking about. So, um, and then the sixty uh, sixth minute cash on Villa makes. Uh, kind of a dumb challenge on on Harry Kane. I mean, on a ball that was clearly rolling out of bounds anyways. Um, the penalty kick is issued for Tottenham, and looking at the replay, the contact was clearly there. Um, it was a little light. Uh, I think uh, Kane kind of went down and over... He went down a little easy. Yeah, he went. He over-dramatized uh, <laughs> that a little bit. But, uh, but you're right. I don't know if Cash thought that the ball was... Maybe he thought it was off of him and he was trying to save a corner or something, but... He, it was just it weird. Like, yeah. It didn't seem like Kane was going to be able to do much with that ball. So yeah. I don't know. Um, Kane converts the penalty kick for the 2-0 Tottenham lead, and that was the eventual uh, final score. So Spurs move up to sixth. Um, you know, late rally. Yeah. And we'll see if they can uh, we'll see. make anything come of it. But. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's not like they beat Man City. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a Grealish-less Villa. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm certainly happy for the win as a Spurs fan, um, but uh, much, much remains to be seen uh, out of them. And again, they they lost in Europa, so I don't have that to look forward to. So as far as a trophy, it's all coming down to that League Cup final against Man City. And there's all this talk of can Man City do the um, – uh, has never been done this quad, uh, this quadruple of trophies with Premier League, League Cup, FA Cup, and Champions League. No one's ever done it before, and they're still alive in all four. So I'm sort of hoping that it's not going to be the Premier League that that Man City falters in one of them. Like maybe they get bounced in the FA Cup or bounced in Champions League so that they don't have a whole lot of incentive to play hard maybe I mean, maybe it's yeah it's the it's the deciding round of a trophy so they've certainly got something to play for in that sense but maybe they won't be trying quite as hard as as they would be if um if they were on the verge of doing something that had never been done before and they could make history you know that's yeah so we'll see i mean if, if they bring their a game spurs don't have a chance now this is a, a possibly a dumb question but the timelines of all these different cups still elude me. Like this, their final is, is sometime in April, I believe. Okay. But the, the semifinals took place in like January. So they, they sort of drop these games in where they have time. 
what date will we find out whether or not Man City has won all four or not? Uh, sometime in... Nah, I'd be guessing. Okay. Um, I, 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 think, I think Champions League traditionally finishes up a little after the Premier League. Okay, so I'm we're just not sure how much. Like mid-June, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, so, again, not a lot of games to talk about this week, but, Jared, did you have some little uh, uh, thing well, you wanted to bring up? I was just poking around in – so just to pre- preface this, my knowledge of the EPL is, is pretty much contained to the last three or four years, and if I go back before that, I start to not – find stuff that I didn't know. Um, All right. And so I did find something that I thought was kind of interesting. And as I said, it may be common knowledge, uh, but it wasn't uh, for me. But we talk about the big six teams. We talk about, you and I have talked about, if I pick one of them as my team, they're never going to get relegated. Uh, They're 30% of the EPL teams that generate, I think, 57% of the revenue. I mean, they have... I'll take your word for that. Yeah, I think I read an article on that. Um, However... Since the league's inception in 1992-1993, one of the big six teams was relegated not once, but twice. Really? One of the big six? Yes, and I was wondering if you knew what team that was. Really? Uh, boy. Well, I've, I've got a theory. I just want to sort of walk through the other teams in my head real quick. Oh. All right, I'm going to say Man City. Manchester City was relegated in 1996. Um, They were actually out of the EPL until they returned in 2000, and they were relegated yet again at the end of that season in 2001. Um, And then they returned uh, in 2002, and after a couple of close calls, you know, in the in the aughts, uh, they've remained in the EPL ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, the, their their superhuman performance began shortly after they were acquired by uh, the that you know crown prince from uh, Abu Dhabi, who has been you know spending like a drunken sailor. Yeah, probably contravening the rules about spending <laughs> we've talked about in prior episodes that they're doing some creative accounting to allow them to spend this kind of money but hey if uh what is it if you ain't cheating you ain't trying i yeah. guess that's the uh the the idea there so hey that that's one of the few trivia questions you've posed to me that i got right so I'm that's true <laughs> you had a 16 percent chance but still well yeah, yeah. still good um just i tell you the funny thing is if if you gave me a second guess, it was going to be Liverpool, because um, uh, I knew Arsenal was really good. Back Arsenal's then, really good, and Man United has been perennially right. good. So yeah. um, you probably know Spurs history better than I do. Well, I just I would have been stunned if Bur- if Spurs got relegated simply because every time I see one of these you know documentaries about individual players from the last thirty years. There's very often a match being played against Spurs, or the player spent some time at Spurs. Spurs seems to pop up in these yeah. these things all the time, so it'd be surprising if they got relegated. A team you don't see too often in them is Man City. That's true. Um, Probably in part because they were down there. And, and the other thing is that you know the whole 
I always get it wrong. 2012-2013 or 2011-2012? That That first Premier League title that they got with the late uh, scoring against QPR, um, part of the reason that that was so magical for them is because of the lack of success they had had up to then and that they you know were sort of getting the uh the 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 crown of the team that always chokes and always screws it up at the end so uh not terribly surprised that they were uh in a position like that so okay any other quizzes or anything? no that was it okay. i just uh want to bring that up because i didn't know and did i uh poach your little nugget about melier with the whole uh could be the youngest guy to get 10 clean sheets thing or was no i was basically just going to give him a a virtual high five an attaboy all right well it's well deserved so with that we will wrap things up due to the lack of play next week and the fact that without any games being played it's going to be rather difficult for us to come up with some content for you We are going to take a week off, much like the Premier League itself. So we will be back in two weeks. I'm not good enough at math to figure out what that comes out to. It's going to be April 6th or 7th or something like that. 5th, close. Well, but when we release, probably won't be until the 6th. Oh, yeah, the Uh release will be the 6th. So so two weeks. (laughs) We'll go with two weeks. And uh, in the meantime, everybody... Uh, stay safe. We appreciate you tuning in. We don't have a show if not for you. Uh, so hope you enjoy the rest of the, uh, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I suppose the next time we talk will perhaps be the day that the finals will be taking place. I confess, I don't know if they've screwed up that scheduling now too. No, I think the final is April 5th. So a Monday. Yes. Like it used to be Saturday semis final on Monday. Okay. So it'll be that night though. So we probably won't be able to know who the champion is when we record. All right. We will wish luck to the two teams that are going to be playing that night then. All right. And with that, uh, we will let you all go. Thanks again for tuning in. And we look forward to talking at you again in two weeks. Take care, everybody.